both had haircuts today. We did. Freshly sheared. Unintentionally synchronised. I thought you were, you weren't yesterday, were you? No. No, you were today. No. Yeah. But it's nice to know that... Well, do you want someone to know that you've had a haircut when you've had a haircut? Well, I don't mind. I let mine go quite yeah. long. My hair grows quickly and thick. So if I've not mm, had a haircut, so... my head uh, size seems to increase yeah, by about 20 to 30%. Just... <laughs> yeah. And then when I get a haircut, I look smaller. I mean, you don't because you're six foot five, six no, foot six. No, like not smaller in height. I mean, like in uh, profile. I just have like a, a smaller frame. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, like because my hair is thick and it grows outwards. It doesn't yeah, grow down, it sure. goes out. Because uh, well, I would have to grow out for a while before it grows down. Because I was talking to my hairdresser person today mm. and they were saying there are some people that come in and have their hair cut every three weeks. And I'm That's like, those are clearly people who don't want their hair to have they, people they, they, they don't want their hair to be noticeably changed no they want it this Consistent, is the length it needs like, yeah. to be yeah but i i always have my haircut to you know have an arc have a, have a journey i'm happy it moves for it to from, grow out a bit yeah and, grow yeah. out explore yeah. the opportunities and potential of your haircut mm, you know absolutely. let it let it let it change with the seasons and the weeks and then you plan your calendar around the haircut that's right and you, you go do. okay well have that coming up oh, well so you say to... that hang on a second but when i we, you and i've confirmed dates before and i've said i can't do that on that day in five weeks time because i have a haircut and you were like who, yeah who plans their haircut? i They're still stand by a... this you no no i never planned a haircut five weeks in advance book it, what, that is insane what, but, it's not insane it, it makes complete five sense. weeks in advance well, i booked my it. haircut no more than a week in advance yeah but no more here's why you do it first of all that's when you have your haircut anyway five to six weeks right you look at your diary check availability great haircuts in what and that way it's locked in Yes, you could yeah, wait. Yeah, but I weeks don't know what my, what my week looks like in five to six well, weeks. Well, you time. will do if you put your haircut in because you <laughs> yeah, come but... up to it and people can say, oh, can you do this thing? You go, I can't, I've got a haircut. Or don't worry, I'll cancel the haircut. But you know what you don't want, which I've had, which is... Can't get one. Can't get a haircut. And mm. you have to wait two, three weeks. You're like, shit, but I need one now. You know when you like make the decision, you're like, okay, my hair needs a haircut now. I think your more busy than mine is. My, I can book mine, uh, not always, but I can book mine for the next day. I just day. like to be organized these things. <laughs> I just don't like to, to panic about it. When it's... And it's always about five, six weeks. Do you? I is think... it like a diary thing? No, but I think I think it depends on the cut, depends on the, the person doing it and the season, and yeah. I think and what I've got on. But I think five to seven weeks in the earlier episodes, you you let it go longer. That's because it's still post COVID. Yeah. Post COVID, I used to go for longer, floppier, yeah. more You're depressed. And then I think the thing is, the longer the hair, the more maintenance it takes, and yeah. the more you know, a, 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 a strong gust, and your whole barnet's you know off, compromise off, off the rack. So. Yeah. Off the rack, you know what I mean. Off yeah, kilter. Yeah. Anyway, so that's our hair, James. It is the Cannes Film Festival currently. Although mm. by the time this episode comes out, which will be a week from now, is it might have finished and concluded, and people may indeed know who the Palm Door winner is. We should go next year. Sure. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd love to go. I'd love to go. Um, but if you can't book your haircut five weeks in advance, Forget how are you going to get me to think about Forget going to Cannes next year? I have a year. friend who's there, and she's like, "You should have come," and I'm like, "Ah, organization." Yeah, exactly. Anyway. So, just a couple of things I thought were relevant to this show. There's oh, uh, some film news that I thought that is kind of like made for this podcast, this news. And that is so, Zach Kreger is the filmmaker who made Barbarian mm. last year. Uh, comic actor, comedian, turned film director, horror film director from last year. Nice. A film I see we, those foot, footprints all over the film. A film we both really enjoyed, right? Yes. Uh, Surprise film we both really enjoyed too. Exactly. He's he met, he's written his follow up film called Weapons, and I remember that a couple of months ago there was a intense bidding war 
for the, that script. People were bidding, Left, Right, Center was the hottest script in town because mm. Barbarian had done so well. And then following that, going into Cannes, we've got some news about casting. Now, the first piece of casting is the hottest man of 2023, Pedro Pascal. Is he, is he in? He's, he's well, in. Pedro yeah. Pascal is going to be cast. It's a, hot, it's a hot cast to get involved. And, he, and his co-star is going to be Renata Reinsve from oh, yeah, The Worst Person in the World. I fell in love with her, yeah. So I think between that, those are like Pulp Kitchen darlings there. Mm. Barbarian, Pedro Pascal, Renata Reinsve. Hello. Signed up. Yeah. And Weapons, if you're wondering, what is Weapons? Is it going to be another horror film? Is it going to be what this? Weapons is described, according to The Hollywood Reporter, as an interrelated multi-story horror epic that tonally is in the vein of Magnolia, the 1999 film yes. from Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, when someone says Weapons is an interrelated multi multi-story horror epic, I think that could be amazing or that's going to completely sink your career before it's even started. Yeah. Floppity flop flop, like under the silver lake. It's really hard because like films on paper, you, you write the concept of some some of the best films of all time on paper. You're yeah. like, you what? But then like, you know, it's all about execution. All about execution. So, but I, I look forward, I will. I, I'd love like a big Pulp Kitchen approved stamp graphic when we like see something like, yes, this is, we, we, we condone this. I look forward like to this. i to go past our desk. We go, oh yes. Cha-chung. Can we pre-order tickets to this now, please? I've seen on social media, there's a lot of, because uh, obviously Killers of the Flower Moon, yeah. so hot. Did yeah. you see the trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon that I sent did you? you? Did you send it to me? I did send oh, it to you. Oh, I was probably busy. I think busy. you're busy. Uh, looks, it looks good. Yes. It looks really good. Uh, and there's been a lot of positive uh, early impressions because I've seen people are watching it now. I think, yeah. I mean, you look at Scorsese on the carpet and I'm like, he's getting old now. He's not frail or anything, but I'm like, this guy isn't going to be around forever. Mm. And I think anytime he brings out a film, it's always something of interest. Uh, it's, it's something very interesting. And it's a three and a half hour. It's three, three and a three half. Three and a half hours, yeah. Jesus Christ. That's another Irishman. And that's another whole. It's again, it's like, Marty, could this have been a series maybe? But okay, I'll, I'll, I'll entrust I you. I see know. lots of like, shots of. Oppenheimer's um, three hours. DiCaprio, yeah, DiCaprio and De Niro in black tie with black. Ray, Ray Ban Wayfarers just looking. Oh, in can. So in yeah. can, just looking so cool. Just chatting very casually. Hungover as hell. Yeah, like you know, Leo's on some yacht somewhere, <laughs> just <laughs> doing the Wolf of Wall Street thing. The Wolf of Wall Street thing, throwing 20s <laughs> at Carl Chandler, telling him to F off. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I am excited for that. It, it, uh, three and a half hours. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, he's a, sorry, he's a, he's a big, Scorsese is a big fan of Ari Aster who is also he? has released a very long film, which I'm talking about later, but it's afraid. Mm. But um, he's very much endorsed him as one of the great uh, voices of modern cinema. Okay, I know he's a big fan of Tar too. Interesting. Interesting. I, do you know that he said recently that uh, I saw something that Martin Scorsese was like, the older, he, he's, he's like starting to realise even now just the full potential of cinema, but it's taken him a lifetime. And it's, <laughs> it's only like, just like, oh, wait, that's it. There's like, something about these movies, man. They're going to be big. Uh, the oh, other wait, th- sorry, what do you mean by that? He realised the he, he was cinema. saying that looking back, he's like, you know, he spent five decades working in film, working in cinema, making movies, yeah. maybe six decades. And even now, after all that time, he's still only discovering some of the true potential wow. of cinema. He's only still yeah. seeing just over the horizon. Never stop learning. Yeah. Exactly. The other one I just wanted to, uh, other bit of can news I wanted to uh, flag up is that Jonathan Glazer has made a new film. Now, Jonathan Glazer makes like one film every 10 years. He made Sexy Beast, which I really, really like. Oh, I remember uh, With uh, Ray Winston. Great, tight 90-minute film. Um, and he made Under the Skin. Did you ever see Under the Skin? No. with M- Mich- Michelle Williams? No. Uh, Scarlett Johansson? No. Oh, that's really, that's a really interesting piece of work. That is like 
I think at the time people were like, oh my God, Scarlett Johansson's so hot with sci-fi. Yeah, and she just done Lucy. What's this film? It is a very bleak, minimal story with barely any dialogue in, in which mm. Scarlett Johansson plays a alien who prowls the streets of Glasgow in a white van looking to pick up Again, on men. paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, looking to pick up men who she does pick up and then does nasty stuff with. Uh, it's based on a book by a guy called Michelle Faber and it's really atmospheric and really cryptic and it will take you a couple of watches, but it's really like visually striking, really something. If if anyone watches Stranger Things and that whole thing in Stranger Things where they go into the upside down and it's like that, or it's not the upside down, it's Eleven's mind and it's all black with the water on, on the oh, crowd. Yeah. yeah, that is was done in Under the Skin. Oh. Now, I don't, I don't know if the Duffer brothers have consciously said that's a lift from there but I like straight away I was like oh that's done in Under the Skin um, it's a really really interesting film anyway and and then he, but he doesn't make he doesn't make films very often similar to when like Thanos snap gets the soul stone you wake up in a pool of like, yes that's more of an orgy that's more of a spa vibe that <laughs> yeah. one this one's more yeah. bri- um, bleak <laughs> tearing of the one you've sacrificed <laughs> so Jonathan Glazer's new film is called The Zone of Interest which is loosely adapted from a Martin Amos novel Martin Amos who passed mm-hmm. away a couple of days ago yeah. um, it's a as the Hollywood Reporter describes it, a bone-chilling Hollywood, ho- <laughs> Hollywood, a bone-chilling Holocaust drama like no other. And I've seen articles say mm. this depicts the Holocaust in a completely different way, similar to how people talked about Son of Saul. Yeah. Um, I'm really intrigued by this and I really would like to watch it because jo- a Jonathan Glazer film is so rare and um, always just hearing this kind of early buzz gets me yeah. excited. Who Very knows exciting. when that'll be released for us? That could be soon. It could be months down the road. Sometimes these o- things are so... It could be an Oscar contender yeah. or this time next year. We could have completely forgotten Literally. about it. But uh, some things to keep an eye on. Also, initial reviews are out for Indiana Jones. And they're kind of a little bit mixed. mixed. I've yeah. seen some like, yeah, it's, it is yeah. what it is. And I've seen some people saying it nah. really should just be taken around the back and shot. <laughs> <laughs> pillow over the face just, yeah. <laughs> um, that was some updates from the Cannes Film Festival as I like that little bit say. of Cannes correspondence a little bit of, a little bit of stay, stay tuned to Pop Kitchen for your little drip of film news we do yes, our best can do but we have some present films to talk about which we will talk about in a minute stay tuned when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was going to say, Arias has a new film out. Oh, it's Ari. Arias. Ari. Not Ari. Like the, yeah, Ari. Not Ari like the camera. Well, I think it's also Ari Alexa. I think also, who's Ari Alexa? Ari Alexa is the camera. Oh. Oh, it's called the Ari Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> I Alexa don't... is someone. Alexa is some beautiful person. Ari. Uh, Ari. 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 But then, so Ari, Ari Aster is A-R-I, whereas Ari Alexa R. is double R. Mm. So. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um. In marketing for this film, which is called Bears Afraid, I've noticed that, you know, sometimes we see marketing films and it's um, directed by 
insert a film by yes. sometimes this film has been put from the mind of oh, Ari Aster. Yes, one of those. It's a film that's from the mind. It's Visionary. From we we yes. got we got Ari Aster and we said Ari from your mind. Yes. Give us please. I'm sensing that's what they also give for. That's when Nolan makes a film. It's when Charlie Kaufman makes a film. It's a like, film, but yeah, from the mind. These these people think like the concepts yeah. we've never unpacked. Also, from the mind. it tells you. He made these other films, but it's not like those other films. Yes. It, 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 and, you know, Hereditary and Midsummer, And John, and John Peel, yeah. Uh, uh, complicated and brilliant in their own ways, but really felt like, whoa, this is new. This yeah. is interesting. And I feel like you and I have... I feel like com coming into this film, you and I have, I've seen it, you haven't, yeah. um, have had almost like a sort of trepidatious enthusiasm with it. Mm -hmm. Like we, we think Arias is a really interesting voice in cinema, mm -hmm. yet there are his films, you never forget them, you never come no. out of them. Uh, sorry, I haven't seen all the films, I've seen Midsummer and, and Hereditary. And we've yeah. both come out of them with sort of mixed feelings, ever so slightly disturbed, a little bit horrified. Yeah. Is that fair to say from both? Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I, I don't, I think about Hereditary much more than I think about Midsummer. That film really hasn't mm. saved with me that much, I think. Um, but yeah, Hereditary, like, wow, really, uh, for good and bad reasons, just very uncomfortable and imprinted on the mind. Midsummer yeah. kind of was getting there for me, and then it, I just found it really silly, and then it just yeah. kind of peeled away. But I know some people, obviously, have really sunk their teeth into that film. But definitely looking forward to seeing what this person would do next, mm. I'd say. Yeah. And, um, what I've heard about this film, I've listened to a couple of interviews post seeing it about three, four days ago. And he, uh, Ari Aster said that this is a film for him. This is a film for me. I've made it for myself. He's called it an elaborate Jewish joke. Right. And it's very much, I think, a, a thing which is very common with filmmakers who are starting to gain a lot of traction. We've seen this before where a lot of filmmakers will originally come out onto the fray and just be granted permission to make a film. Yeah. And they're so happy to have been given permission to make a film. It might not necessarily be the film they've always yeah. wanted to make. And they go on and prove themselves critically, critically and commercially, make another film that then escalates. I'm yeah. not saying this happens in threes, but it tends to happen. We've seen this with like Christopher Nolan yeah. has been very public in saying, I would never have been able to make Inception without the success of The of Dark course, Knight yeah. and The Prestige. And like you, you've, like even um, Damien Chazelle recently with yeah, Babylon, yeah, yeah. Good, very good. much a film for him coming yeah. from the success of his last ones. You would never have yeah. really got the chance to make a film with that budget and that scale for yeah. that long. And I was also thinking of even Nope to an extent. It's kind of like, totally, you know yeah. what? It's it's not, it's going to be like the other ones, but not like the other ones. Directors like prove themselves with something that, someone said they, these films aren't for them, but they then go, right, yeah. well, now I can. Let me make this yes. for me. Although I must say that, always makes me uh, very, very, puts me, uh, mm. make, makes me feel quite uncomfortable when a director says, this is a film for me, because yeah. I think, well, that's great, but George, we're, uh, no we're an audience here. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, don't forget about I'm, us. I'm going to get on to sort of this idea of a film for our Ari Aster and how that makes me feel about this. I'll get on to that later, because like something coming from, from the voice of someone and the subject matter this film deals with is, you know, I'll, I'm going to get on to it, but... Um, this is a really difficult film to categorize and define when you see it. It constantly evolves, it constantly changes. It is, it's three hours and it's three hours long. Right. And it is an epic, psychotic, nightmarish comedy, odyssey of right. personal discovery and a little bit of, it's kind of like a latent coming of age film as well. And in its three hour runtime, I said it's a comedy, it tells this elaborate joke that in so many ways is very fascinating, but also completely exhausting. Right. Um, it has what I think was a five act structure with an epilogue, 
right? Yeah. And I think over the course of its runtime, I found I found it really difficult at times because it morphs into many different things, both in its structure and its form. And I think I think it's it's really irregular. And I think if you went to watch this film yeah. and you tried to watch it and take everything literally that you saw on screen in front of you, I think, and you tried to figure it out as you watched yeah. it, you would become very wearied and, and really exhausted yeah. if you tried to do that. And I do think Ari knows that. And I think from the get-go, the film was quite good at communicating to you that what you're seeing from the get-go is not to be taken literally. Okay. And a lot of films that typically deal with this very high arch, fanciful nightmare logic, often they start quite grounded yeah. and then they eventually unravel. Could you, this film's different. Yeah. It starts this way. What were you going to say? I was going to say, could you describe, if you can, there's like who's in it, what's the plot? Oh, I, I'm coming if, you, if you can even try. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm glad that I've had a few days. I would not like to have seen it this morning. Right. And then be asked to talk about it. I think okay. if you'd asked me coming out of the screening, James, what do you think of the film? It'd be like, ask me to do my taxes after I've had a nap. Right. Be like, Why are you... I can't. Um, but what this film uh, is, it's, it opens in an urban dystopia of violence and noise. And the film is very much an, an elongated, psychotic panic attack, an anxiety attack. And we have at the centre of this film a character called Bo, played by Joaquin Phoenix. And I think it portrays anxiety in a very interesting way. Instead of saying this is a character that has anxiety. Instead, I think, tries to say, the world is anxiety, yeah. and this character called Bo is stuck in the very middle of it. Yeah. Bo is a middle-aged man who very much is like a little boy that's stuck in a middle-aged man's body. Mm -hmm. He's both sort of lumbering and pathetic and slightly overweight, but he's also sort of very small with drooped shoulders <laughs> and very pathetic. And the world he lives in, like it opens with him walking coming out of a therapy session, walking through the streets and there's kids buying guns and candy floss and people that are naked stabbing each other to death. Wow. There's both revolution and sex yeah, and yeah. everything is sort of overstimulating and awful and shocking yeah, and TikTok. you have to literally, <laughs> and literally sprint to the edge of your door because someone is literally about to stab you to wow. death. Like I said, like he... It's not like we said this person has anxiety. Like yeah, everything yeah. around him Let's make you feel anxious, is anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And um and that's and that's what, what where we find ourselves. And he uh he has a sort of slightly overbearing mother, and he's meant to get on a flight to go and visit her. And he realizes that because of some ridiculous comedy of errors that has to do with a key trying to get into his flat, he turns around and the key is gone and he misses his flight. He can't get there. Everything is just hectic and anxious. Yeah. He misses his flight. And uh, he ends up embarking, leaving his flat for the first time and embarking on this massive discovery odyssey where he has to go outside into the world. And we find him wandering through uh, some, some parents that take care of people who have been injured. He ends up in the woods with a traveling theater company that okay. sort of the, the lines between performance and audience is blurred. And then, he, and then through to his mother's house. And this sort of takes place over three hours. And what I really did find watching it is that I really ebbed and flowed watching it yeah. about how going from, I think this is fantastic and smart and sharp to that didn't work, yeah. you lost me. <laughs> and I'm very, very wearied. Um, it's really, really funny. 
for when it is funny. Okay. The opening sequence, which is a, it kind of plays out like a short film. The opening sequence, I'd say, is about 45 to 50 minutes, right? It's a long film. Wow. The opening sequence, 45, 50 minutes. And it is so wickedly funny and smart. Yeah. It has this kind of comedy delivery style that's all integrated into its design and its aesthetic. Yeah. And there are jokes which are blink and you miss it. Um, little flashes on screen, little moments, little notes left on the door, mm. little like things that he decides to eat things that happen and it culminates to this amazing uh, finale at like about five zero minutes, 50 minutes, where everyone in my screening was absolutely howling with laughter. Right, okay. And I was so, and I was like, God, this is just fantastic. And the, the tone, like it switches, as I said, this film morphs and then that basically drops off a cliff. And I think it does that for a reason. I think there's a reason why most of the great stand-up comedy specials are never really over an hour. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. something to do with like probably your endorphin dopamine gas tank gets depleted. Sure. You probably couldn't laugh yeah. even if it's that funny. And the film really sort of, it still, it still has jokes, but the pacing really sort of yeah. changes. And it goes off and does something completely different. And what it does, I think, is interesting in a completely different way. But I spent a lot of my time in the sort of following acts of the film, wishing I could go back to that mm. earlier bit. I never thought that the film was as slick or as smooth or as funny as what it managed to do in the beginning. Yeah. We have these uh, really elongated stop motion sequences that are beautifully animated. And these moments I found very confusing to watch at the time, but sort of an hour and a half later into the film, I'm thinking back to them going, God, that, that is really clever. Okay. But the process of watching this film, because it is so regular, mm. is really confusing mm. and really disorienting. I said this again, you can't, you really can't try and watch this film mm. and try to articulate or understand it as it's happening. It has to wash over you like a nightmare. It has to wash over you like a dream. And we know what I said about sort of comedy and running out of steam and how you're sort of over three hours, mm. like how you're, how you're go you are naturally going to ebb and flow. Your mood, your energy, your hunger, your need to go to the toilet is going to change within three hours. And we get to this, you know, final half an hour of the film and the film is sort of very much rested on the, the humor side of it. We've had sort of elongated dialogue scenes, yeah. huge revelations. And it leads to this moment where we enter a room and there's this big joke that comes in. At this point, I'm two hours and 45 minutes yeah. with your film. And it really just fell flat for me. I oh. didn't laugh and I massively rolled my eyes. Oh. And if, this is the thing. The film attempts to do so many things, so, yeah. so many things. And I can't help but just think, or oh, if you had just tried to do too few things, things yeah i think i really could have been there for that joke yeah. and unfortunately um i wasn't and i was getting very tired of your film by that yeah. point and i really was like okay now we're doing act five you're going into an epilogue and um one of the things that you'll find about this is that freud's fingerprints mm. uh are very heavy over this film to the point where it starts to feel really icky yeah. we've got a lot of ideas of um guilt overbearing mothers and sons right. feeling slightly overburdened slightly repressed like something withheld sexually and you just oh, after God. this long so much of it starts to feel icky i don't know if ariasta needs to give his mum a hug <laughs> or never see her ever again yeah. <laughs> um and look, it's not i i said this before like ariasta's not it's not a film about ariasta but this is a film that he's written and directed and when you see it there's no way that 
those ideas and those themes aren't coming from something personal. Yeah. And I'm watching it and it feels like someone is really overshared. And in the moment you're just seeing, it's indescribable on a podcast like this, but yeah, we're yeah. not going to be able to get it. Like I'm talking Ari Aster territory. If yeah, you've seen an Ari Aster yeah, yeah, film, yeah, yeah, you know sure. kind of thing I'm dealing with. Really out there ideas that I just go, God, I really didn't need to know that that was a thought process going on mm. in your mind. It's like overshare. Overshare. What I will say is that I think, there's a really cool explored idea, which I didn't, I didn't have this while watching it, but in the days since, I've thought about what it means about in, uh, inherited guilt from generations, what right. it means to have uh, generations from your family. And I think this is a whole idea about sort of uh, inherit, inherited anxiety from people of the Jewish faith and mm. like attending funerals and who, who, what it means when someone is gone through stress and how that manifests and how they raise someone and there's sort of this idea of as you become a grown-up and you're able to better understand the context that you were raised and maybe the uh certain insufficiencies sufficiencies in the way that you were raised just because you're aware of them it doesn't mean that you've found a cure for it yeah yeah and just because your parent your mother your father was doing it in that way you understand it but you're going to manifest that in a completely different yeah. way and you'll never really be able to come to terms with it and there's something really interesting to unpack there i just think it's a really exhausting process to get mm. to that point and i think if you did not if you, if you if you weren't able to find the first bit funny i think you're really in trouble for the rest of the right. film and if you don't like because like the bits that i found funny are trying to catch up with me two hours and 45 minutes later right and that that didn't work for me okay i do think you should see it in cinema if you're going to see it i think if you miss 20 seconds of this film you're going to be completely lost and you'll never be able to catch up it's oh, one God. of those it's beautiful to take in it's very exhausting but if you are going to see it i urge you to see it in cinema it's very interesting that idea of uh just bring it back just take two things out it reminds me of um friend of mine she said that her mother always said to her when you get ready you know dress up you know put some jewelry on and then always take one piece of jewelry off mm. and i'm like you always feel like saying this to ari this is great ari now take one thing out take one thing out to uh trim it down also i was talking to my brother recently we were talking about this idea of uh have you, you heard about like the three t three different types of fun oh i know two go on well there's the fun you have during the moment and then mm -hmm. and then that you don't enjoy afterwards right there's the fun that you have uh, not during the moment, but have afterwards. And then there is the other kind of fun, which is fun during the moment and fun afterwards. Right, okay. Right. It sounds like you're having not much fun during it, but kind of actually getting more out of it afterwards to a point. Yeah, but moments I had so much fun. Did Knee you, slaps. Did you... Then, you just, over that amount of time, you really do. Your brain goes through a process of elation, yeah. the, the crash rediscovering yeah. getting tired again so yeah. like you really ebb and flow and you have to then process it to really try and understand it and that that's where i think i've actually uh, if you'd ask me when i come out i've been like it's rough but like more i think about the ideas i think actually it's done something really clever okay have you seen boas afraid <laughs> yeah. listeners if you have email in and let us know do you disagree with james do you think it's three hours of complete nonsense do you think ariaster's other work was much better or do you think i agree with you james there's a lot going on in there that i really enjoy will you maybe want to call my mum? will you it's not <laughs> do not see this with your mum. do not ask your mum what she thought yeah. <laughs> i cannot stress that enough um do you think you'll go and see it i will give it the good college try mm. so i would like to obviously i mean I, yeah. for, the, for the reasons you said 
uh, very distinct filmmaker yeah. with not many films under his belt. Uh, well, you know, it's still in terms of freshness. Um, I'd like to, and he, since you said I have to see it at the cinema. That uh, sounds really awful because that's, if it's a three hour film, but I did say four hours of your time to go. Exactly. I did say I would take my mum to see Guardians 3. Oh, so there you so, go. You so I either, well, I would, I, I will for my mum because yeah. she loves Guardians, but yeah. she's, She's like, they can't do not see the person. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your mother cannot tell you. Just that. shuffle it. Just this <laughs> Russian roulette. You, if you do, you'll just be awkward, like in the car on the way home. Like, so what do you think? So that's my dilemma. My mom likes, my mom loves films and we like to go and see films together. And I, I'm not you like I would have been able to sell a, her on a three yeah. hour Ariasta film, but I'm so glad she was not. This wasn't it. the one where she was like, oh, just take me anywhere. I'll see yeah. anything. It's, it's icky, you know, like Freudian ickiness. Yeah. And like after that amount of time, I'm just like, please, maybe don't. Maybe yeah. Be like it's like your friend who like doesn't have a filter, oh God, and yeah. and it's it's so personal. And it's I'm been talking put, to him, and it's yeah, <laughs> and it's being put out on the most public oh, forum, yeah. and I just think, oh, Ari, you didn't, you didn't have to yeah. for this long, yeah, and it, and, it, and, it, and therefore it comes across as wildly overindulgent. If someone said, how could you like any of that? It was what an overindulgent, yeah. sticky mess, and I I, I kind of disagree. I think there's a lot about it which is really smart and really slick. I would I would never rewatch it apart from the first fifty minutes. Right. Which I thought was brilliant. I wish it could have gone on longer, but I understand why it didn't. Sure. The film is Bo is Afraid. It's out now. Let us know your thoughts at hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Let's read some emails now. We love reading our listeners' emails, and we have one straight away about Guardians 3. We did do a lot of Guardians 3 correspondence last we week, did. but more we people have seen got it. some more. And this one is from Bennett. Hi, Bennett. Bennett says, Hi, guys. I recently found your podcast on Instagram. Nice. And then I added you pretty immediately to my rotation of podcasts that I listen to every week. Love Good to hear on you, Bennett. You guys are great. And after hearing you read emails on your show, I wanted to reach out about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because that movie has, in medical terms, in medical terms, completely fucked me up. Oh, I'm intrigued. Also, at this not juncture... Not a medical term, but I understand. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, at this juncture, i just like He's to say, not a Bennett, you have very, very cleanly formatted your email you have italicized yes. the yes. the film titles which is so uh appro- and, uh, like just a, a proper, man yourself i'm so i'm yeah. no, and you'll you know one the next step would be to put the film's year in the brackets like, yeah. afterwards like guardians of the galaxy volume three in brackets 2023 i'm surprised there aren't appendices for further reading fantastic <laughs> so ben it goes on to say question did this movie make you hate Phase 4 MCU movies more? Mm. About 10 minutes in, I was shocked, not by the level of filmmaking James Gunn had brought to his film, but by the absence of quality filmmaking in Doctor Strange, Multiverse yeah. of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, um, which were both giving, what if we let ChatGPT make a Marvel movie oh God, kind of energy? It really does, oh, doesn't it? Totally. Uh, we showed Chap GBT Thor Ragnarok and it wrote a Thor sequel. It's Thor Love I mean, like, just picking up from our conversation last week, um, yeah, it, it, like, it does make, remind you it's not it's not weariness of comic book films, it's the quality of the movies. Totally. It's, it's the treatment of the story, the treatment of the characters, the way in which they're being presented to us on screen, respect for our attention, yeah. and for the fact that we've... It didn't seem to reward the people that had been paying attention for every single yeah. film, nor service the people who were just jumping in for that film. It doesn't take its audience for granted. It, it recognises that each film is an opportunity to win and lose your audience like a football match and i praised guardians 3 for being doing a very good job of honoring all the plot baggage that all of these oh, characters yeah. have and finding a way to like 
bring it to a full stop, have consequence, which in, and then like watching Doctor Strange too, you're like, that doesn't make sense to that yeah, character. Completely inconsequential. I don't really, well, how is this, this moment that Doctor Strange has been on make sense for anything or something that I should really care about? Ben, it goes on to say, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is my favorite MCU film, nice if not game. a close second to the OG Iron Man. Nice. I love that it went to a darker, vulnerable place. It speaks to James Gunn's talent that he made the most human MCU film, despite the fact that the protagonist is a talking raccoon. Yeah. I really love and respect that Gunn made Rocket the protagonist, not Quill in this film. Yeah, I agree. Bennett says, I cried. Or more mm. accurately, I sobbed. Protagonist. He, you're right, you're, I see your point because he is... He, he's most... I know what you no, mean. You know what he is? He's not... He, it's one of those things where you're like, he's not the main character, but he is the protagonist. Yes, that's true. Technically, Because dramatically, he propels the motion of the yes, drama. Yes, that's the true. Uh, I cried, or more accurately, I sobbed at least twice while watching. Yeah. It's pretty impressive that we all Oops. saw... <laughs> It's pretty impressive that we all saw 99% of the plot coming and it, was, yeah. and it still delivered it to us in such an emotionally effective way. That is way. true. That's that, a skill, actually. Yeah. If you can communicate what's going to happen, but you're still up for it. I think that's something that gets lost in film discourse these days. You can tell a predictable story so long as you don't show it predictably. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, and I don't think this film, and I don't think this film does that. Also, any movie that makes me cry is a good movie. Do with that what you will. No, I agree. It's that thing of like, a lot of movies are, you can't like, you go see Mission Impossible film, you know the beats you're going to get. You know how mm. it's kind of going to resolve itself, but it's the way it reveals itself and tells itself. It's the execution mm. that does it in a way that feels like you're not being told the same old story. It's like a film A film is almost like giving you pieces of the puzzle and you're sort of, it feels good to sort of fit it yourself. Exactly. Yeah, it's satisfying. So yes, that piece that's there. I see what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Bo's afraid isn't like that. <laughs> um Anyway, I got so off track here. The film is not without its flaws that, they've, that, that you've pointed out. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for seeing these flaws. That's not how consuming art is supposed to work. I'd just like to share the thoughts that I had in case you find them compelling. Mm. I spent the first half of the movie thinking Adam Warlock was nothing more than an add-on who was distracting us from a much more interesting story. I do see that yeah. point. However, the more screen time Will Poulter had, the more I began to connect the dots between Adam Warlock and the, rate, and the late Richard Keel's Jaws from the James Bond films. The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Okay, let's okay, see where this is going. Jaws with the metal teeth, right? Yeah, yeah. Jaws was an extremely overwhelming physical henchman, secondary antagonist in uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, before becoming a bit campier and romantic in Moonraker. I think Adam Warlock fills a very similar role in this film. He's an 80s era sci-fi henchman, secondary antagonist with 2020s flair. That is a really good observation. I, I really mean, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I also agree at first with the note that the movie does drag a bit for me. Okay, spoilers ahead. Same. Spoilers for Guardians 3. If you haven't seen Guardians 3, please skip just skip forward four, four, two, two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. minutes. Um, for me, spoilers ahead. Blah, blah, blah. The drag began when Matt Drax took Mantis to go rescue Quill, Groot, and Nebula, leaving Rocket and Gamora behind. No, I like that bit. That's in the third act with the things coming out of the planet, right? It doesn't mean he doesn't like it. He's saying that's when it felt to like a drag. Oh, yeah, that, for me, that's when the, it kind of kicked into gear. Right. It felt reductive and frustrating because it made the outcome that much more predictable. But without that choice from Drax, we never would have seen the would have seen the scene with him cheering the children up. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, and great. Nebula wouldn't truly have seen Drax the dad. Yeah. Looking back on Drax's early choice to go try and save his friends, it was annoying, but it ended up serving the character beautifully. Exactly. Characters can do frustrating things, even though it's like, you know, because people do make mistakes. Do People do act irrationally. I know Dave Batista said that there wasn't much more to get out of Drax's character. And after this movie and his performance, I totally believe him. Uh, no, he, yeah, he wasn't sure that much. I think, I think in the sense that like, they did get more out of Drax in this film, but they got enough. You know, they, I, I felt like they, yeah. they concluded him. They got the, the final amount. 
All and that said, there's plenty of it, and I never got tired yeah, of it. Exactly. All that said, thank you for reading this obnoxiously long email. It's not it's obnoxious. Okay. It's fine. I hope you're doing both doing well. I love your we show, are. and I hope I didn't come across. <clears throat> across. Across. I hope I didn't come off like a complete dork. Not, not at, all. at all. We're this all in the same space. This what is, is uh, a bunch, a bunch oh. of nerds here? And all hey, guys, best. just want to say Bennett has set the bar for email formatting. Oh. So for all of you out there, yeah typing away your punctuation because also give us give us give us moments to breathe remember we're reading this aloud yeah. yes. giving us uh, throwing we're some dashes dictate this new lines ellipsis even let tell us how to read and it and bennett you sign off with all the best bennett i love and then uh, your signature is so neat it is mm. your name and your contact details in a uh you know a slightly a gray Different. typeface yes. a sort of faded typeface which is useful but unintrusive to the rest of the email i love it james what's next bennett you can write in again next one is from warren who says hello james and george hello firstly i wanted to congratulate you on cracking the podcast formula of being such engaging conversationalist that the subject at hand does not matter can we take that to like whoever gives podcasters loads of money and we yes. can say it's look i don't know if you know this formula. we've cracked it and, and some and warren has told us so so could you just give us all the money to do podcasting you're very kind forever? i would love to say we've cracked the formula yeah i'd love to be playing in Times Square yeah. live streamed <laughs> on Twitch and uh, hosting the Oscars. Yes. Give us all time. At once. Yes, all at once. Um, all the podcasts I listen to it's are based on Thank vague you. interests of mine, but it is the enjoyment from the hosts interacting and often going off on unrelated tangents that keeps me coming back. Hey, I'm still using my enamel teapot. Yes, we, <laughs> we do try. Uh, I've wanted to email you since I discovered you by searching for film podcasts on Instagram. Proud hey. to say it wasn't TikTok, but wanted to, uh, wanted to wait until I'd finished the back catalog to make sure I didn't repeat anyone's question. That is really good. Another uh, full, complete, completist. And another nod, if you write in a question that we've not heard before, obviously more likely to have it read out. So please try and think of if you've asked it. And uh, I love this SEO we got going on the Instagram. You type in film podcast, we come up. Yes, smashing it. Uh, my question to you came to me whilst watching Succession based on your recommendation. It got me thinking about how different people will watch a TV show over time. I personally will normally watch a season or two of a show before I find myself start to enjoy it less and less. I would then usually okay. take a break from that show for a couple of months or sometimes even longer. Breaking Bad to me three years to get through even though i loved every episode i wanted to make sure it remained special each time i turned it on i kind of know what you mean and also on that sorry on that but that makes sense i mean don't forget it was aired and broadcast over, over, years. over years as well so you're Written, kind of following yeah, that kind of pattern 100%, meant to digest and yeah. um i was wondering if you two have had any of these specific tendencies when sitting down to watch a show that's been on your list for a while other examples are that my dad will only watch a tv show once he knows there is a final season my oh friend, that's good that's that's, that's really good that's really smart i mean like you can be really left out of the conversation yeah, but a dad's not really <laughs> like they're being like i'll watch game of thrones yeah. when it finishes <laughs> finish it. he's just about to start and they do house the dragon he's like no <laughs> yeah no, I want the whole thing. Um, and my friend and I live with uh, my friend and I, my friend I live with will watch half a season of a show in one night, finishing all series Whoa. within a couple of weeks, making it very difficult to watch shows with him. Yeah. I love the podcast and keep up the great work, Warren. Uh, P.S. Bring back the food for the hundredth episode. Um, yeah, just sort of what watching habits, George, for TV uh, and uh, well, is it all depending? I mean, uh, I don't have any like hard or fast rules, but like usually what I do do is that I will let a series start for a few weeks. I, I, I do yeah. actually like weekly episodes because yeah, it's much more manageable. We've talked about, you know, you enjoy the conversation. Yeah. I'm, the year of me binging something is over. want to cover films. It's very daunting. It's like watch uh, nine hours of TV for your thing exactly. next week and enjoy it. And But let's say it. we're doing something like Succession, 10 episode series. I, I, actually, sorry, bad example because Succession, I've been watching weekly to avoid spoilers. But let's say someone gives me a 10 episode series. Yeah. What I'll usually do, and if I'm on the fence, I'm like, well, 
I'll let that show start. Like I did with House of the Dragon. Yeah. I'm unsure. I'll let that show start, see what the reviews are like, see what the discussion is yeah. like. And then if you tell me or someone else tells me, oh, I think that's actually quite good, or I get a good good sense for it, then I can know, I can get, I can catch up quite readily in, yeah. in, a, in a week or two. And then I'm invested and I'm there for the thing. So that's probably the only sort of pattern I have. I've enjoyed so. doing both. There's times I've watched shows weekly with as it comes out and I've really enjoyed that discussion. And then I think I rewatched all of Game of Thrones before the last season and had such a good time time mm. watching it that way because mm. it's such a it, you know you like you spend so much of time your first time watching game of thrones trying to figure out how the world works and the houses mm. and the rules and the names for everything and then when you already know that you get to rediscover yeah. it and binge it um i think i think though i the more i think about binging you're talking about rewatching which yeah, yeah but like the more i think about binging you're just like that cannot be the best way to watch no. tv shows anymore it was <sighs> it was a marketing industrial ploy by the likes of Netflix that really wrote, like, hooked you well, in. I think, I think the box, the DVD box set would have been when it started, I think. Well, yeah, like but that would have been after show. release, wouldn't it? Yeah, so, so that's, sorry, that's you're right. right. Yes, so it's true, like true, true. primary, like... But people would be watching it for the first time. Like, oh, I bought the box set of 24, I've never seen it, I'm going to binge it. Yeah, people true, would do but that. it's more like, this is the latest, hottest show and you can watch it instantly, instantly or yeah. now, straight away. And I think we've just changed that now. It's back We've to, talked about before, like, how, yeah. how that will... Uh, Good question, Warren. That's really, that's really great. This next email is from Naomi. Friend of the show. Who says... <laughs> you said that like a dog. Like, hearing squirrel. A squirrel outside, yeah. <laughs> Naomi says, hello guys. I recently watched the movie Chevalier in cinema. Now, okay, look, I saw this email come in and I had to Google the, the movie Chevalier. It's not the 2015 one about the guys on the boat. It's the new one, which just to contact, because uh, Naomi doesn't explain this in her, in her email. Uh, Chevalier is a 2022 uh, drama music film that I don't think is... Oh, it's coming out in a few weeks here. Naomi, you've, I think... Did you email in about that Operation Fortune film as well? Because you seem to be seeing from us before we are. Yeah, what? We're going to have to move what to... in time are you, Wherever Naomi? you're based again. So it's about the illegitimate son of an African slave and a French plantation owner who rises to improbable heights in French society as a celebrated violinist, composer, and fencer, complete with a love affair and falling out with um, uh, Marie Antoinette. Bloody hell, there's got a lot going on in that. Anyway, Naomi says, I saw that and I had to write to you immediately because this movie is an absolute... This, wait, this movie is about classic cool music and I usually don't like that type of music, but I enjoy this movie so much. She's written with about a 10 O's. The story was really good and interesting. There was some unexpected turn of events and I was impressed by the costumes, the music, just everything. So I really recommend it to you guys. Have a nice day. I like it when our listeners from certain regions or the future um, can recommend us stuff and go, oh, this is good. Go watch it on our list. Because then I get awareness of it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, somebody said it. Thanks, Naomi. I appreciate the the heads up. We look forward to that coming out in uh, the UK on the 9th of June. This next one's from William. And I knew knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. We make a lot of little passing, a lot of films come up. Yep. We make a lot of fleeting little statements. I think you're, I think you're a fan of the flippant hot take. A little flippant hot take. I'll throw someone under the bus. <laughs> William writes in and says, Greeting chaps. I feel the need to chip in on John from Liverpool's behalf and defend his controversial opinion that Monsters University is in fact superior to its predecessor, Monsters Inc. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear you out. Yeah. I'm definitely going to hear you out. I thought it was Joe from Liverpool because we've got we've got two Joe from Liverpool. Oh, he's written John. But yeah. Not, well, either way, but go on. Shout out to the Liverpool Liverpool leads out there. Um, Monsters University is better than its predecessor. I'm not so sure. I'm going to hear you out. Here we go. Right. Better than its predecessor, Monsters Inc. And stand up to the unacceptable dismissal of this animated gem as a quote really gem. disappointing, unneeded prequel. I should make it clear that I love Monsters, Inc. And I too would love to see a sequel, but this is not valid criticism in the existence of Monsters University. 
Monsters University is a fantastic movie in its own right, a much better film than it has been given credit for, and, I agree with John, better than Monsters, Inc. The themes of friendship, toxic masculinity, and finding purpose which are explored throughout the movie are perfect for the stage of, li of life Mike and Sully are at. Not yet fully formed adult monsters and still figuring out who they are and their place in the world. I'm not laughing at your email, I'm laughing at the idea, the concept. Yeah. yeah. The scene in the human world where Sully confides in Mike about his struggles with anxiety and how he prevent and how he presents his confident while uh, while he pre pre yeah okay you've written and how he presents as confident while secretly being terrified of showcasing his true emotions to the world is a particularly powerful portrayal of how men still struggle to speak freely about their emotions. But the following moments where Sully confesses that the reason he was never told Mike this before is because they weren't friends before is an emotional gut punch packing similar heft to the When She Loved Me montage from Toy Story 2. <laughs> don't, don't. It's a beautiful moment that encapsulates what the film has been building towards on a thematic and emotional level, with Sully finally, finally finding the confidence he needs to speak truthfully about his emotions due to the power of friendship. Of course, this is all disguised as a hilarious college movie set in Monstropolis uh, with plenty of fun Monsters, Inc. callbacks and references, which, by the way, is a fun enough movie in its own right. But I may suggest a proper rewatch to fully appreciate the depth and brilliance of this underappreciated classic. P.S. Love the show. Look forward to listening every week whilst getting my steps in. The games are my favourite part, a fun, unique feature that sets you apart from other film podcasts out there. And the reason I started listening in the first place when I discovered you guys on tiktok yeah. i always pause the <laughs> podcast and try to figure out the answer myself first interesting yes. albeit definitely cheating and giving myself a few extra minutes every time so i don't end up screaming in my local park <laughs> will from manchester uh, will uh, great yeah good defense there of that film so many things not I seen it so you, oh, you haven't seen monsters no no I, seen oh, it, so I couldn't right. comment at all on that but i i appreciate the very thought out defense will i completely believe you. when he said getting his steps in my thought was my boo scooting baby is driving me crazy my confessions you know it's like aerobics just yeah. headbands jamie yeah. curtis oh, the, oh you mean like the the uh no you mean uh or uh you're talking yes you mentioned you're talking about the film with john travolta but yes. the, the, yours are jane fonda the step workout oh yeah, yeah jane, jane fonda's Fonda, yes. famous workout okay next up we have an email from Kane, who says, Accents. I started watching your podcast recently. This and I is hi both too. Did I not say that? No, you just okay. said accents. Sorry, the, sorry. The, the subject heading is accents. Yeah. Kane then says, hi both. Thank you. I started watching your podcast recently and I absolutely love it. Yes. And I've recommended it to all my movie watching friends. Yes, thank you so much, Kane. Yes. The list of movies that I need, I'd love if we could see that on a graph. Like this is the day mm. that Kane recommended it to his, to yeah. his friends. And I want to see like a viral contagion type little yeah. explosion on the, the, on the it's map. It's like the uh, opening theme tune for the, the, the Last of Us. Yes, yeah, yeah. The list of movies that I need to watch is growing after every episode I watch. One of the big things that I notice in movies that I need, that I feel not a lot of people watch. Uh, one thing, Come sorry on guys, guys, we, we, we can read, but um, it's, it's been a long day. One of the big things that I notice in movies that I feel not a lot of people I watch movies with care or even notice is accents. We did have that email mm. from Steve from Florida recently about accents. Mm. For me, they can make or break a movie and I yep. fixate on it throughout the movie and sometimes it ru ruins the movie for myself. Yep. But on the other hand, I love looking up a, looking up a movie and realising the main actor slash actress is not native to the accent that they are doing. Mm. Notable mentions include Gillian Anderson in Sex Education, who I thought was English for years until I looked her up on Wikipedia. But isn't she English-American? I like American English. Uh, I think she's got one she, for she, over she, here. I will just clarify that. But I agree, she's, you know, she, can, she can really do anything, can't she? She's a she is an American British actress. She's got an OBE, so uh, okay. she, that's probably why she can yeah. do an accent quite well. But uh, yeah, good accent. Still, um, 
Also, Renee Zellweger in Bridget Jones and Daniel Craig's amazing... Oh, di- yes, Renee Zellweger in Bridget Jones. Yes, of course, she's very good in that. And then, and then, well, then, hang on, Daniel Craig's amazing Deep South accent that I didn't know he was capable of. Daniel Craig's <laughs> Deep South accent in is really, Knives uh, Out is it's not... It's the stupidest <laughs> idea. It's, it's cartoonish. It's not, I don't yeah. think it's accurate. It's, it's he good. He does something where he's pong, pong, yeah. out of oh, his cheeks. Oh, this is oh. hooey. <laughs> Um, I do, yeah. So it's it's good in the sense he commits to it, but sure. And he does the, it's where would we be for that? (laughs) On the flip side to that, some actors slash actresses, attempts of actors that are noticeably awful Mm. are Bill Nye's American accent in Total Recall. My God, someone made Bill Nye do an American accent. Dreadful movie anyway. Mm. And weirdly, Martin Freeman's accent in Black Panther. Yeah, it feels a bit forced. Similar to the Doctor uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Doctor Strange. Ah. It's a little bit... Martin Freeman just is English. You know what I mean? But but then he says... Incredible actor. Incredible actor. But it's weird because his Minnesota accent in the Fargo series was very good. I agree. Uh. He was very good in that. He he really, really pulled it off really well. Um, And, uh, oh, and Dame Judi Dench's Northern Irish accent in Belfast. Yeah, but the thing is, no one's going to say, Judi, do you mind doing another take? No, Judi does what Judi does. And it's fantastic. Kane's question is this. Do you have any movie recommendations of actors and actresses doing an amazing accent so good you thought it was theirs or actors and actresses who are doing a horrible accent? So we basically, we did have this email um, uh, recently. Oh, and Kane says, sorry for the long-winded email. Many thanks, Kane. We did have this email recently and we did talk about it. Uh, again, I said Lake Bell and Man Up, great accent. Mm. Um, so we did we did do that question quite recently and I would check back. I think it's only two weeks ago yeah. uh, for the email from Steve from Florida about that. Um, you can see our answers in that. Off the top of my head, it was like Lake Bell and Man Up. I really appreciate it. Mm. And we also said Keanu Reeves in the worst. Dracula is, is the worst. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you, Just go, go go YouTube clicks. I doubt many people have seen that, but go YouTube Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula just for a laugh. Put it on a party. <laughs> you have a good time. This next one is from Taha, the Pakistani correspondent, oh, who's yes. a friend of the show. The snacker. Yes, Snackgate. Yeah, Snackgate. Hello, James and George. Loving the pod as always. I just heard your review on Polite Society and wanted to share my thoughts on the film. Guys, Polite Society review is up. Please go and check it out. Firstly, as a Pakistani, I absolutely love the humour and aesthetic of the film. The film felt peppered with jokes specifically for South Asian audiences and on multiple occasions, I found myself laughing harder than most people in the cinema. (laughs) The aesthetic of the film also lovingly harkened back to Pakistani and Indian films of the 50s and 60s with its font choices, fight choreography. It generally felt like a film that that was made made by and for South Asian audiences. Yes. However, as you guys met, well, George mentioned, as uh, you guys mentioned, it was the third act genre switch that made me feel unsure about the yeah. films I left the cinema. Similar to you guys, I also thought about it in comparison to Everything Everywhere All at Once, questioning why I like that film over Polite Society. Aside from Everything Everywhere being an overall better made film, only reason, uh, one reason is that it doesn't trick you with its sci-fi elements, and by introducing them early, is better able to integrate them into its narrative and themes. While for Polite, Sci- Polite Society, having these elements in the third act changes the film's priority from the characters to the sci-fi elements. Secondly, I also thought that as a Pakistani, there was a part of me that held certain expectations from the film that I didn't have with everything everywhere. I was expecting the film to have a strong socio-political message or stance, which in hindsight seems unfair to expect Mm. from it. It was simply taking a stereotype and playing it as a hyperbolic joke. But it did make me consider how I view films more closely tied to my identity, brackets queer and Pakistani, in comparison to the ones outside it, brackets the majority of Western cinema. 
Anyway, keep up the great work. I also wanted to shout out the theme song for your podcast. Is I enjoy listening to it even after you guys have stopped talking. Oh, oh I'll, I'll let it run for longer then. A couple of people have said that actually yeah. before. Like, you know, if, and we commented, we did something, you know, the other day about being at Spotify and, you know, we yeah. did a, dropping an album or something like that. Oh, and someone yeah. was like, yeah, it'd be an hour long album of, of the, the, track. Uh, the music. Yeah. Dun, dun. P.S. While kitchenettes and pulpets are good names, I do prefer sirens much more, as it feels more of an inside joke for fans of the podcast and not something you immediately understand from an outsider perspective. That's good. The official Pakistani student of the podcast, Taha. I am warming more I towards think sirens. I think, that, I think that's it. I think that like, solves it. Sirens? Instead like of having the, the jets. mermaids that drown pirates? <laughs> Instead of having the jets and the sharks like we have with pulpets and kitchenettes. Sirens. Let's come together and let's be sirens. Because we all know it's the sirens are on our end. Are and you a it, siren? You can be like, are you a siren? Yeah, I'm a siren. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proper siren. And I if love you ever see gym. us, I want you to just go, <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. But you could say, <laughs> no, no. If you, see, if you see us and you want to say something cool and you want to say something that's like an yeah, joke, just, really... just come up to us and just go, the sirens are on our end. And I'll know that you're not just someone who watches us on Yes, exactly. Reels. I'll know you listen to the show. That's a like, true fan. A yeah. siren. A fellow siren. It. Say it. Say to us if you see us. I'm a siren. The sirens are on our end. No, no. The sirens are on our end. The sirens are on our end. And I'll say, no. The sirens are on our end. And then we all just burst out crying. Uh, uh, Taha, thank, thank you, you so that. much as always for okay, a email. Next email is from Josh who says, just wants to say, hey guys, love the tea discussion. A lot of you love the tea discussion. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad. I mean, you know, I mean, it's I was worried thing. about it. I was in the edge. I was like, that was eight minutes of tea. Right, you know, you talk passionately about anything. <laughs> yeah. it'll, it'll go. Love the tea discussion. Please waffle more often. That was just fantastic. I have got to recommend a show called From. Okay. It mm-hmm. is possibly one of the best horror mystery shows I have ever seen. Okay. Produced by Joe and Anthony Russo. It has Harold Perrineau they in it. They produce a lot. Okay. I don't know who Harold Perrineau is. They produce should. a lot. It was like from producers, Anthony and Joe Russo from yeah, Avengers do. Endgame. Harold Perrineau. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, Harold Perrineau. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's in loads. Um, sorry. I believe... Harold Perrineau is in Lost. Lost and Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet. A plague on both your houses. He doesn't say it like that, but yeah. you know, that's the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've made worms meat of me. Um, From is a show that will hook you in immediately. <clears throat> it's concept heavy with great characters and genuinely scary, but not jump scares, more long lasting. It had the same effect as The Last of Us on me. It is available on Sky. Season two has been released in America this month. Carmen regards, Josh. Josh, just looking at From now, since 2022, uh, yeah, got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. I've never heard of this. Have you, James, have you? No. It's got never like, heard of it. It's on Sky, which I feel like a lot of Sky yeah. originals really come and go. Because it's kind of locked in. That's why you either are, yeah. you are if you're not on Sky, you're not going to yeah. see it. And it's like you have to be flicking through to go, oh, look, um, Rufus, uh, <laughs> like Dominic, what's the name? Rufus Sewell, uh, Dominic Rufus West. Sewell, Dominic West is in a new Sky drama. <laughs> I see. Okay. Warren writes in and says, while not exactly remote... He, oh, subject, hello from the other side. Right. Adele. Uh, while not exactly remote, isn't Sydney, Australia, the opposite side of the globe from right. you? Hello from there anyway. Cheers. Warren, sent via kangaroo. Yeah, now, so, uh, yeah we asked a question, for guys, to, to let us know if you were... If you think you're the most remote listener or the most furthest away. Yes, I guess, technically, Sydney... Is the opposite end of the world. But you know what? If you're listening to this in Australia, I want the most remote Australian listener. I want you to be listening to it in like 
S- Central. Sid- well, Sydney, I'm not impressed, but like the the uh, the red desert of Australia yes. is what, what I'm more interested in. Yeah, I, I threw the out bush. I threw out Antarctica. It would be a good one. Yes. But it was some, somebody on a research station. Some like the northern thing. Norway village that is otherwise inaccessible during winter months because it's frozen. Oh, like yes. you, you can only get there by boat. Like Sisu. Yes, and like it, it, from from November to March, you can't get there unless you get some like huskies and you mush yeah. there. I want to know. No one who, goes there. No it's one the wildlands. Yes. Yeah, it's very like mistrusting Scottish of outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Yes, keep letting us know, but thank you, Warren. I appreciate uh, the, you, you getting in. Calvin writes in with an email titled Justice for George, right. and he's screenshot his Spotify or Apple TV with the soundtrack of Blade Runner 2049, and he circled Hans Zimmer, because the other day I said, I, we played a game, and I yeah. said, name 10 films of the Hans Zimmer score. You said Blade Runner 2049, and I said, no. There you go. I, I give you a point thank you. back. Thank you. Here you are. Thank Do you, Do I get Calvin. my massive check now. You are absolved of your... Yeah, check. <laughs> you, want, you want reparations. Um, Calvin, thank you for fact-checking us. George, apologies. Well, guys, that's all we have time for today on the emails. Well, I've plenty more to read out next week, but we keep sending them in. We really do appreciate it. And I just love the discussions in there. It's fantastic. Great. Keep the brain recommendations you know, working. I love it. Thank you so much. Okay, James, mm. we've reached that point of the episode, the end of the episode, where it's time to play a game. I've got three rounds of games for you. Okay. Three miscellaneous rounds. The first one, I need to get my time round, because it's going to be a 30-second one. Forgive me, forgive me. Okay. Forgive me. Are you ready, James? Are you prepped? I feel like mentally you're not ready to do a game. Yeah, I, I need to snap out of it. I just, just scream into a pillow and splash my face <laughs> with ice water. I'll okay. be like... Um, uh, Rick Dalton in his trailer, like icing his oh, yeah. hungover face. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Okay. Here's the first game. Okay. James, in 30 seconds, mm-hmm. can you name seven bald actors? Uh, Vin Diesel. Um, I'm going to go with. Uh, they have to be bald or they play bald characters? They have to be bald. Um, okay. <laughs> um, Jason Statham. Yes. Um, we have got. <laughs> oh, the guy from Men in Black. What's his name? Oh shit! <laughs> I know who you mean. Um, this is so hard. Oh, <laughs> I can't five, think of no, four, oh, three, <laughs> two, one, two. two. That's the worst. That's that is the worst. You. Who's with? the one from who plays the shop assistant in Men in Black? The shop assistant in Men in Black. Uh, oh. Hang on, let me read you some bald actors. Yeah, read me some bald actors. You've missed some. I thought you could have got so many more. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, yeah. Um, Stanley Tucci. Yes. Bruce Willis. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, Patrick Stewart. Ben Kingsley. I need to think older. Mark Strong. Mark Strong. Um, You know, I could go on. I could go on. (laughs) Billy Zane. I know. Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane is out there rocking. Larry David. Larry Jason David. Alexander, like the, fa- the famous bald actors. But you got two. I'm glad I that stopped you. That really got you. Yeah, it's really good. I like that. Okay. Like that. These next two rounds okay. were first done to me in a, oh, pu- no. in a pub quiz. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to get me started. No, no. First done to me in a pub quiz at the end of my university degree. Okay. And I've thought about them for many years. I've always thought, that's quite a good question. Mm-hmm. And I've converted it into our own format. Okay. So, James, next round. <clears throat> James, mm-hmm. in 30 seconds, can you name seven Justin Timberlake movies? Go. In Time, uh, Friends with Benefits, 
Um, it's the social network. Uh, um, Sing. No. No. Trolls. Yes. Trolls 2. Uh, yes. And... Uh, oh, I need to think back earlier. How do you know that? <laughs> he did the song. I think that's all I got. Five um, seconds. Um, oh, and no, time. There we go. Okay. Well done. You got five yeah. out of seven there. Okay. I'm very impressed with you with Trolls. I think yeah. we are there, there are there are seven. There, no, there, he's done more than seven oh, films, okay, but right. I just thought you're not going to be able to name more no. than seven films. So you did, you did the obvious ones, In Time, Friends yes. of Benefits, and The Social Network, because those all came out within like a year of each this other. This one was really going for it with the acting, wasn't he? But you could also have had Bad Teacher, uh, yeah. Runner, Runner, that forgettable film with Ben Affleck and Gemma Arterton. Okay. Uh, another forgettable film, Trouble with the Curve, a Clint Eastwood <laughs> film about baseball. <laughs> There you go. Um, and what else we got? Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, yes. That's another big there. one. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then it says here, now, well, you've got the love guru, apparently, Wonder Wheel. And it right. says here, Shrek the Third and Shrek Forever After. But oh. I'm not sure if that is uh, actually uh, a soundtrack or not. Oh, uh, y- Yogi Bear, the movie. Not, I can't say I've seen it. No. But uh, yeah, that's... Uh, More power to you, Justin Timberlake. Keep them coming. That is five out of seven there, James. Well done. I'll t- you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that as a solid entry for the... Uh, <laughs> I hope... I, so uh, the pop quiz question was you got to get seven... It was just like name, uh, name as just many Justin Timberlake movies, movies as, yeah, you as you can. can yeah. And similarly, this next question is on, follows on from a similar vein. Okay. Okay, last game, James. Mm-hmm. In 30 seconds, can you name seven Madonna movies? Okay, Die Another Day. Yes. Um... <sighs> Did she, would she appear in her own one, W.E., that she directed? No. Um, but well remembered. I might give you a half point for remembering that she directed that. Madonna. I don't think I... God, it sounds so familiar. What else is Madonna in? Five. I don't think I got four, it. No, go on. Three. Time. Okay, so... That is a tougher one. That I think I should tough. have given you five, but the answers are Evita, huge one. Oh, yeah. um, you did die another day. Swept away, um, Vision Quest, Desperately Seeking Susan, and... That's tough. <laughs> and... Um, that's, that's a pub quiz you stew over it for over the course of hours. Dick Tracy. This, these are one. ones that you leave on the table so, and you're meant yeah. to like, as they come Look. to you, you go, oh, Dick Tracy. So there are a couple of forgotten ones like Shanghai Surprise and Swept Away and Vision Quest I didn't expect you to get. Lot, but, but things like Desper- Desperately Seeking Susan, Dick Tracy, Evita, oh, A League of Their Own as well, the baseball yeah, one. Okay. So I would have used those. But <sighs> so that, that, that is a tough one. Um, it says here Agent Cody Banks, but she's not in that. <laughs> That's the this is, must be a song. There must, must be, be a, a song. song. Yeah, that doesn't count. Oh, I, I, equally, I don't believe that she was in Cheaper by the Dozen 2 or Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. <laughs> God, do you remember those? Yeah, with the Malcolm in the Middle guy. Yeah, Frankie Moon is. Yeah. I, I, I think I've only seen Agent Cody Banks 1. I think that's fine. <laughs> I think that's okay. I think that's got Ian McShane in it. And I think I saw that at the really? cinema. That came out 2003. No, Keith Which David. is the one that's not Agent Cody Banks, which has got Paul Giamatti in it. That is Liar Liar, liar with liar, Frankie Muniz and liar, Amanda Bynes. But not that Liar No, it's liar. not, sorry, sorry, it's not called Liar Liar. I think it's called Big Fat Liar. Big Fat Liar, which is Paul Giamatti, I guess. Yes, that's right. And Amanda Bynes. And that is a- uh, Disney Channel original. Sean Levy movie. For a Nickelodeon film. And I remember because it has that picture of Paul Giamatti being blue. blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, there you have it, guys. Those are the games for today. A miscellaneous bunch. But Madonna, you know, the thing is, sorry, yeah. about... Uh, a creative singer, sort of Lady Gaga-esque, turning up in films. The two she? things to say is that, I mean, I haven't seen Evita in a very long time, but mm. there was a lot of people were... There was a bit of con- controversy about when she got the role because it was like, I think some, I think Patti LuPone had played the role on, on Broadway for, for years and then Madonna came in and got it. But the thing is, I think Madonna is actually quite good in the film. Did she ever do forget. a Guy Ritchie film? Because they were married at one yes, point. Yes, Swept Away, uh, which is right. the, the non-Guy It's like, it's not gangsters or anything. I've never seen it. It's just going to be a disaster. Right, okay. uh, and in Desperately Seeking Susan, the weird thing is, I mean, which is just such an odd sort of weird film anyway, it's not that good yeah. from the 80s. The weird thing in that movie is that Madonna is okay, but there's a bit where the character Susan played by Madonna, goes to a nightclub and dances with someone to a Madonna song. So they're oh, playing into no, the no groove good. in the club. And I'm, my brain's going, but hang on, but no. that's Madonna, but it's not Madonna, but we're listening to Madonna. Does this, no. does this person who's not Madonna, but played by Madonna, know that that's Madonna? The only thing you're allowed to do is like in Men in Black, when Will Smith is the star, you can play in the credits a Will Smith song. That's a, that's okay. Are you are you counting that it, what a Will Smith song that isn't the Men in Black theme tune? You no, could, like it, he he made the tune. Well, that's different. Yeah, because yeah, that's that, that's, in, that's yeah. for the film. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. This, this wasn't Madonna going desperately seeking. No, King not allowed. Yeah, it was immersion yeah. breaking. Mark down, mark down. Men in Black theme tune though. Great, great track. Great theme tune. Yeah. Men in Black, based off of Patrice Russian's song "Forget Me Nots." Another great track. Great bass line. Anyway, those are the games for this week and we have now reached the end of the episode for Pulp Kitchen. Guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. Continue to please uh, follow us on Instagram and TikTok because we go to like interesting things and we post interesting mm. you know, events and stuff. It's great to be you know, stay in touch, but also it's a really great way of supporting us. Share, share clips, like clips. We really appreciate it. And just stay tuned for all kind of news we've got coming out. Guys, please, I love the people that are leaving reviews on all of the yes. apps that you listen to us on. That really really helps us grow the show people are starting to discover the show and they're going to look at the reviews so if you're listening on apple please give us a review if you've got time and write something nice if you're listening on spotify give us a rating a good one out of 10 that would be so so good and then tell someone i think i, I read this week it's like 35 to 40 percent of people find out about new podcasts through word of mouth be- so you guys are the mouths spread spread the word like a fungus yes infect Thank you so much. Go out. If, like you, if this is dish. one of your first listens to this episode, if you're, if you're a oh, new listener, please give us a like. Thank you for getting to the end. We yeah. really appreciate it. We'd love you to join us next week. Thank you. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.